Welcome to the Appalachian Baptist Network. We seek to equip, encourage, and engage pastors and church leaders in the Appalachian region. We focus on having conversations on church revitalization in the mountains and beyond. Your hosts are Matthew Jacobs, Brent Snyder, Jacob Gwynn, and Travis Tyler. Welcome back to the Appalachian Baptist Network. Uh, joining me again today here is Pastor Neil, way up in Wisconsin. Thanks for being with us again. Well, with me, I guess, not with us. It's just the two. Man, good to be back. And as fun as it is to always be with you and record these, unfortunately, we're not going to do too fun of a subject today. <laughs> we're going to talk about the subject of suicide. And so uh, this is a particularly difficult topic for pastors. And of course, we're doing these in honor of uh, Darren Patrick. And I will say this before we go further. It's not clear if Darren Patrick committed suicide. Only those that are closest to him would probably know the answer to that. I think the article actually said that it was a self-inflicted shotgun wound to the head. And so it's not much more detail than that. But we're not here to you know, point a finger at him. We're just glad that we had Darren Patrick the time we did and that he was able to bless us the way that he did with all his contributions to the kingdom and keep praying for that family because that's leaving a huge hole for them and their church family as well. But uh, let's just kind of deal with the first question that I get most frequently as a pastor, and that is, uh, if I commit suicide or if someone commits suicide, have they bought themselves a ticket to hell, Pastor Neil? Is that true or false? That is false. I, I don't think I don't think there's any sin that, that can separate us um, from the love of God. We are secure not based on the foundation of our own works, but the work that Christ has done on behalf of us. I think the reality of, of suicide is is a reality of a lot of, of suffering and anguish. And, and unfortunately, in those moments, I think people make decisions that, that probably if they had the opportunity, they would take back um, in a lot of cases. So, no, I, I think that a person is secure based on their, their hope in the Lord and, and that moment um, where, where they give in to that inclination to take their own life. I don't think it jeopardizes that. What uh, What is the right way for us to think about suicide as Christians? Because we have examples of suicide in the Bible, right? Uh, we have uh, probably the more famous suicides of the Bible. Of course, you and I were debating about the first one I'm going to bring up, but Samson in the Old Testament and Judges, who kind of went out kamikaze style, taking out the enemies of God. Uh, Saul, this was clearly a suicide, right? Yeah. Saul, Saul falls on his sword and kills himself in first Samuel three fourteen. Uh, probably one of the other ones that's more famous is Judas uh, kills himself, hangs himself in Matthew 27, five. And so we have several examples of suicide in the Bible. How should we think about these individuals spiritual condition when they did this? You know, you know, as we were talking, um, the, the most generous you could be in all those cases, and again, you and I disagreed a little on Samson, but the most generous you could say about those other cases is they they had kind of, at that point, gone down a pretty long road of running from the Lord. So, so of course, by that time when, when Saul is, is taking his own life, he is, he is seeing everything fall apart around him and, and finds that he, he finds that a more palatable option than anything else. You know, with, with Judas, you see that he, he didn't understand the full complexity of how his betrayal of Jesus would be used. Um, and so, so in all of those cases, we, we think of other than maybe Samson, who seems to be saying, Lord, let me, let me serve you one more time. Maybe uh, th- those guys have all kind of run from the Lord. And, 
and so are, are, are finding themselves in a hopeless place. I think that's a fair assessment of all those guys we just talked about. Yeah, you know, I, we disagreed a little bit in what we were referencing. When Samson died, you know, he the Lord restores him, his strength so that he could do what he should have been doing all along, and that's pushing the enemies of God back. Uh, but in the same token, he kills himself in the process, you know, and he pulls the pillars down. Saul, who has always fascinated me in this in this case, is somebody who moves in and out of the shadows of Scripture. He goes, you know, at one point he prophesies like a prophet of the Old Testament, and yet in another passage we see him seeking out a witch so that he can talk to uh, his dead prophet once he's king. And so where, you know, where is his hope and how, you know, where is he struggling there? And then furthermore, I'll just kind of press this on in to say, you know, we did an episode last about the mental health of a pastor here. Uh, is depression a real thing? Or, you know, how should we think about depression as Christians? I mean, can we just read the Bible and pray depression away? Or do you think sometimes we need a little more help? Oh, man, thanks for throwing a loaded one out there for us to try and try and walk through. You know, I think absolutely depression is a real thing. Pain and suffering are real things. And, and again, we, we don't have to go any further than Scripture to, to see expressions of pain, suffering, and hopelessness um, to, to the deepest and darkest of places. And, and so, yeah, I, I do think those are real things. And I, I think what I like to tell people is, is we, are, we are physical and spiritual beings. And so the reality is we, we, we tend to want to separate, is this just a physical problem or is this a spiritual problem? The reality is, aren't they going to be both? And, and so, so depression is real. Suffering is a real thing. And there's, there's going to be points where I think that what we're, we're suffering with, that, that depression, is certainly going to be affecting us physiologically as well as spiritually. And, and yet what I like to remind people of, and, and, and I think we can fall to a couple extremes on that, we can say it's all entirely spiritual and we don't see to treat our physical bodies. But at the same time, I think there's an equal mistake of saying this is entirely physiological and not treating some of the spiritual things that are coming out of it. I think both of those are a mistake. So, so depression is certainly a real thing. Um, that, that suffering is real. And again, we, we've got some pretty um, awful expressions of suffering and hardship. Uh, you know, the sermon I preached at a, a funeral I did for um, a, a person who committed suicide last year was Psalm 22. Um, Jesus on the cross quotes it, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Um, how about that for an expression of hopelessness? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so we know that Psalm was on the lips of David, uh, who wrote the Psalm. We know that was on Jesus's heart when he called out to God. Another expression, I'm a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind, despised by people. All who see me mock me. They make, they make mouths at me. They wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him for he delights in him. And those are, those are statements of mocking. So I, I think hardship and, and looking around and saying that I'm, I'm below humanity, I'm, I'm worth nothing, I'm, I'm sort of the mocking of, of the people, I think are, are, are genuine feelings. So that's a long-winded answer. But yeah, I think they're real things, but I don't think it's as easy to communicate either a physiological or a spiritual source. Yeah, you know, one of the things that was really interesting to me in the uh, Darren Patrick interview with Ed Stitzer, and I brought this up in the previous one, was him making this kind of a disconnect between being gospel-centered and having good theology 
and not really being in good shape emotionally and mentally. And so I think one of the things that's important to remember as you're saying these things too, is that uh, we're, we can have folks that you may be listening to this today and you may be at a point you think, and what does that look like? I think that looks like, well, I'm a complete failure in every Avenue. You know what I mean? Like I, and, and you're, you begin detaching and it's like, well, on one level, of course you're a failure. We're all affected by the sin and we're all failures. We've all failed to keep our, uh, keep our relationship with the Lord perfectly. And, you know, there's not a lot of allowance of grace in there. And so, you know, sometimes for folks that are struggling and maybe do have depression, I, I think it's, you know, in the church, if somebody has a bad heart, they take medicine, nobody thinks about it. Somebody has a bad, you know, pancreas, they take those pancreas pills and they're fine. Everybody's, if somebody has diabetes, then everybody's okay with them you know, shooting the diabetes medicine in there and, and leveling out. But somebody takes a pill for depression. Now, wait a minute. <laughs> but is the, like you said, is the brain not affected by the fall? Are our brains and our hearts and all of us not affected by the fall? And so I think that, uh, you know, if you're listening to this today, it's okay. Yeah. And, and you should get help. You know, if you're at a point where you're struggling uh, with, with depression, I, I think for some folks, seeing the rising of the sun another day is more painful than anything else, that they, they're having to live with the residual emotional strain of believing they're a failure and of no value to anyone, you know, so. All right, well, let's talk about the other side of this, uh, ministering to a family for those pastors that maybe have to deal with this. Ministering to families that have to deal with uh, a, a family member who's committed suicide, because that is a, um, in many ways, when we preach a sermon or when we minister to somebody, how we minister and how we grieve is very much based on how the person died. So, for example, a person who's had cancer for an extended period of time, lots of grieving has taken place up until that person dies. And so the grieving process will not necessarily just go away, but I think it's going to look different than somebody that just dropped dead of a heart attack, for example, without any warning. How does ministry in a suicide look different than say ministry when somebody dies from sickness or even a tragic car accident? Man, that, that is a great question. And, and again, I, I experienced this firsthand this last summer. And, and I, I, think, I think some of the uniquenesses are, are going to be obviously the questions. Um, questions about, could you have done anything to help? Um, is, there, is there more that you could have done, signs you could have recognized? So, so there's going to be some of that. And, and, and so it's, it, it, maybe they, that any grieving situation will have regret, but this regret just is going to be flavored and focused a little bit differently. Another, another thing that I, I think that I saw in this situation was anger. Um, so, so frustration that that person left their loved ones, left their family. And, and so that, that comes in waves. It's maybe not all the time, uh, but it's there to, to your point. Um, the same stigma that I think can, can be around depression can exist around suicide. So, so again, I mean, think about this instance, uh, even with, with Darren Patrick that we talk about where we're wondering what it was, it's hard for people to say my loved one took their own life. So, so you almost feel like you're taking on then some shame 
of what happened. And I don't think that's called for. So I don't mean to say there should be shame there. So yeah, I, I just think that, that all the same emotions are there with grief, um, but they may be more intensified and, and they're, they're going to uh, have some unique questions as well um, that, that I think that leaves you with. And then when you think about preaching a funeral for someone that's committed suicide, I, I did one recently for a friend whose brother took his life. And um, I, I'm not going to lie, Neil. I think that was one of the hardest sermons I've ever preached at a graveside. You know, and and, and when I stood up there, because you want to, you know, you want to make sure that you make it clear we're not here to pass judgment on this person. And I think I even said that in my sermon, we're not here to pass judgment on him. And at the same time, you want to bring a measure of comfort and you want to discourage anybody that might be thinking about making the same approach. Uh, no doubt, you know, when I, when I was talking to my wife with what happened to Darren Patrick, she said, if you did something like that, I would be so angry for you for doing a selfish thing like that and just leaving, you know, the pieces. And, and I said, I don't, I don't know that I think of it that way because I don't think the person who takes their life is thinking about it being a selfish act in that moment. What do you think? No, I, I, I would say this, that, that at the point that, and, and I, I think in my life I've experienced genuine depression. I've, I've had periods in my life where I, I'm unable to see what is good. I, I would be lying to say I haven't had fleeting thoughts where, where, where at, a, at a, a gentle level you wonder would, would my situation or the situation of people you love, would it be better if I wasn't here? Um, but I've never had those captivate me. I've never had those take me to a place where, where I'm near acting on that impulse. And so in that way, I, I've got to believe that when a person gets to that point, they've bought so deeply into something that is not true. Um, they, they've taken on an identity or an understanding of themselves that is contrary to what is said about them in the word of God. And as a believer, they've taken on an identity that is contrary to who they are in Christ. So I think their vision is clouded. Their, 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 um, their eyes have been darkened. And I don't mean that in an ultimate spiritual way. I mean, I mean, in a sense of deception, they've, they, they, they've bought into something that is not true. And I, I really don't mean that to infer any guilt. So, so that you can't necessarily say, well, well, they were obviously thinking this or that their, their thinking was broken and wounded at that moment. Yeah. Um, which, which is why they made the decision they did. If if we could understand who we are in Christ and understand that to be true, I think that that gives a person a hope. Um, but I think that in those moments of despair, we have trouble, even if we say, yes, we know the information, we have trouble believing the information is true. Mm -hmm. I mean, wouldn't you say it? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I, I don't think, I mean, I think in their thinking, it's probably the opposite. I think they're thinking, everything will be better. My wife will be better off. My children will be better off if I'm not here to drag them down. If I'm not here, you know, my, and, and this is, you know, there has been a rise in suicides in the United States. I mean, it is, it is, I think I read an article up to 2016, there have been upticks in two categories. One was teenage girls and the other one was middle-aged men. And I get the middle-aged men one because as you and I approach middle age, I'm not prepared to say we are there yet, but we're approaching there. <laughs> you know, you look at, you look around and you're kind of like, you know, you get to a point, you're like, you know, when you're 18, you graduate from high school, 
you know, it's like, uh, what was his name? Chris Farley said, do you think you could just grab the world, and pull it down and stuff it in your pocket? All the, all the possibilities are limitless. But as you approach 40 and then 50 and then 60, possibilities narrow, you know, <laughs> about what you are or are not going to accomplish in your lifetime. And so um, I can see that. And pastors are not immune from that. No, no, they're not. No. And I, yeah, I, I think along those lines, you do have those moments where, where you could almost say you grieve what is not, you know, and, and, and maybe you, you recognize that, that you're at a point. So I, I, I've got a little over a month till two days over a month, in fact, till I'm 40. And, and you just start to think, is this where I thought I would be? Um, and and, and those, those can be difficult thoughts but again they also revealed maybe some things i was holding on to or cherishing in or hoping in uh that we're not christ for for in him we are we are truly truly blessed and and so yeah i i think that that it's very easy um to want to give into that that discouragement and to believe things that are not true and trav another question i had around this whole topic um and, and when you mentioned that uptick in suicide so so the suicide that i was able to um walk alongside this family involved a community of only about three, 300, maybe 800 people uh, when you think about outside of the, the town itself. And, and that, that town has seen over the years a number of suicides. What about the spiritual component to this? Meaning, um, you, you know, I, I think there are enemies who, who desire to see us destroyed and, um, and, and see destruction taking place in our lives. And, and so w- would we not be foolish to not wonder if, if in this season – Maybe, maybe there, there is a spiritual attack um, around the issue of suicide taking place in our, our nation. Oh, yeah, I think so. Well, and I think that, you know, the devil's two best tricks that he's ever done, one of the ones is just convincing people he doesn't exist at all, you know, and convincing people that you can just take a pill and make all of this go away. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've spent some time kind of debunking the myth of it's okay to take a pill if you're a believer and still struggling and all that. But, you know, I think anytime a life is cut short, that there's human life that is destroyed, uh, the enemy rejoices. And if he wasn't directly involved with that, he at least maybe subvertly was involved with that. Because you think about I think in the previous episode, we talked about micro failures in the life of a pastor. I would almost say, you know, you think about a person that's, that's going down. It's almost like a drift. I think when I think about suicide and you're going down this river kind of drifting and instead of micro failures, I think what you have is micro deceptions to where, you know, you're, you're deceived about who you are in Christ you're deceived about who you are to your spouse. You're deceived about who you are to your church family. And then if you don't even have those tethers of having an identity in Christ, and you don't have a tether of a, of a spouse, and you don't have a tether of a church family, then I think you're even more susceptible to those, uh, to those individual failures and deceptions that are thrown at you. So, so I think there's definitely a a spiritual component to it. And then suicide, man, it just ripples out, you know, like it's like a rock that is thrown into the water. You know, you just watch those ripples as they hit churches and communities. Um, So, yeah, I I think that there's, there's no doubt a physical and a spiritual component to this. So Uh, in, in the discussion about this, what, um, 
What do you think would be a pastor's go-to to help somebody who's come in and said, you know, I'm really, I'm going down this river, Pastor Travis described. I've already kind of believed these different things. I mean, what, what should I do? I mean, is the world really better off without me, Pastor? Tell me what I should do. What do you think counsel that we should give them should be? You know, you know if I could put myself in those shoes in the hypothetical scenario, I, the first thing I want to do is I want to thank them for coming in and, and affirm that I'm so glad that rather than make any choices on what they've been feeling, they, they, they've sought out somebody to talk through it with. And so I want to, I want to affirm them for that. Another step I'm going to take is we, we as a church happen to have a believer here who's also a a licensed counselor. Um, And so he's going to be more familiar with the physiological um, going on uh, of, of what's, what's happening to them physiologically. And so, so I'm going to want to try and make some connections with him, but, but what I'm going to do is, is also I'm going to say, Hey, talk me through some of the things Again, the dialogue of, of your heart, of your mind. What mm-hmm. what are you hearing? What do you believe in? What are you buying into? And as we talk through some of those things, I'm, I'm going to write them out. And then I'm going to write alongside of them some of the truths that we can find in God's word. You're going to call them to uh, put off this. Yes. Put on this. Truth. Yes. Yeah. And so, again, I, I recognize that when we're in a season of depression, we can know truth even when we can't experience or feel it to be true. So I, I do acknowledge that, but I also think at the same time um, that in those seasons, we can't, we can't wave the white flag of truth. We still have to continue to fight with the truth. And, and, and so I don't mean we're fighting against the truth, but we're using the truth as our weapon against lies, both of our own fallen heart, as well as lies that the enemy may be throwing at us. And so, so again, we can start to identify those, those thoughts of worthlessness, and then let's put them alongside the reality of the love of God. And again, going to Psalm 22, where, where he both expresses his, his feeling of God not being there, his feelings of worthlessness, but right after he talked about feeling like he was a worm, that people were mocking him, he says, yet, yet you are he who took me from the womb. You made me trust in you at my mother's breast. On you I was cast from my birth, and from my mother's womb you have been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, and there is none to help. So, so he goes from saying, God, I, I feel like I'm less than human. All people do is mock me. But then he remembers, God, you have loved me from before I was born, and I have been yours. And so he, he confronts the reality of what he's feeling and experiencing with the reality of who he is in Christ. And, and so I think we, we want to try and walk people through that while caring for their physiological well-being, um, while affirming the reality of their suffering. Because I, I, I think that, you know, in the same way that we can say it's all physical and at times we can diminish the spiritual, I think that the way that we talk about, um, about depression and about suffering, we, we can say things that communicate, maybe even unintentionally, that what you're going through is more of a weakness on your part. Mm-hmm. You know, and... and and, and you just don't want to do that because, because that, what they're going through is a, a difficult thing and it's really hard and we don't need to make light of it. We have to be careful that they're not hearing us make light of it right as we talk about it. Yeah, I think they're already in sort of a defeated position. And so to make them feel more defeated is not, I think if the posture that you have to take is more, let me put my arm around you and let's walk through this instead of a pointing of the finger and you need to do this, you know. Yeah. Uh, that's more pastoral shepherd like and caring, I think in that kind of scenario. That's a good point. Uh, all right. What about, um, the suicide prevention lifeline is also there. If you're in a quick situation where you're getting a text or something, you can plead with people and that number is 
273-8255, and I'll probably put that number in the show notes. Is that a national number? National, yeah. So whether they're in Wisconsin or in Appalachia, they can use that same number. So that's uh, that's very good to use. And then, uh, you know, I would just encourage you to uh, talk about it, right? I would encourage them to talk about their thoughts. I think there's something about voicing, you know, that makes more. I've had, I, I think I'm going to be very transparent here. Every believer thinks about their death. I think that's just a reality. Like everybody thinks about dying and what that'll be like. And, you know, I've even written out instructions for who's to do my funeral just because I'm around it so much. Now there's a difference between thinking about your death and planning out how you're going to kill yourself and having a plan. Right. And so one of the tools that I use to assess is I'll always ask, do you have a plan? And if they say yes, then it's a much more serious situation than if they were to say, I've thought about different things, but I haven't made a plan. And if they have made a plan, you know, I think that one of the things you got to do is not freak out, right? Like don't freak out on them, but I, I get them to tell me what it is. You know, well, tell me what your plan is. What are you thinking about doing? And then we talk about it more and there's something about just talking about it. And the scripture says taking what's in darkness because that is a conversation that they're having with themselves and perhaps under some demonic influence as well and drawing it out into the light that I think is helpful, you know, and, and then that brings me to my next question here too, Neil, is what if you have somebody who comes in, shares with you their struggle, but then eventually goes through it anyway, have we failed them as a pastor? You know, that, that, that would be an incredibly hard situation to go through. And, and, and I, I guess a part of what I would say is, is we want to remember who we are and what we're capable of. Um, you know, we, we, we are fallible people. Um, we are prone to our own weaknesses and failures. And so one thing I don't think we should ever try and take responsibility for is the condition of somebody's heart and mind. Um, that that's just not something that God gives us authority over. So, so the hard part is, you know, what could make that scenario worse is maybe you didn't take it as seriously. Maybe, maybe you sat in that meeting thinking about the fishing trip you were getting ready to take as soon as you were able to get out of there. How'd and, you know what I was so, thinking about? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Come on. Yes. Yeah. Easy spot to land, but, uh, but yeah, but. But, but in all of those things, I think it could be easy for us to assume then that, that we have to take on some of the blame. And, and, and there's always things I think we could maybe do better. There, there's always things we can learn from talking to somebody uh, with more experience. For instance, it, that was a great learning tip for me to hear you say, ask if they have a plan and, and, and discuss that with them. So, so that being said, I think it'd be easy to have some regrets to, to say we needed to have done this better. But at the same time, I, I just don't think God asks us to say that we somehow are able to reach in and transform or change somebody's mind. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit. And so, so no, I, I think that we need to be, we need to take seriously um, the reality of that kind of suffering and do the best we can with it. But I don't think we're asked then to carry that weight on ourselves. I agree with you a hundred percent. One thing we can learn from the Bible, and this is another reason I believe the Bible is true. There are seven suicides recorded in the Bible. One we'll debate on, but at least seven. 
And so, you know, if I was, I'll be honest, if I was going to make a man-made religion that wasn't based on God, but rather based on me and my thoughts and a God I made, I would have scrubbed those things out of there, you know, and, and here's what we can say we learned from that is that suicide is, is going to happen. It is, it is part of the fall and you can't sit on a church member or a family member 24 seven all the time. It's just not that you're not God. You're trying to be Jesus Christ when you do that. And it's just not possible. You're just going to be wearing and taxing yourself down. And that may, I don't mean to make that sound like I'm being, you know, uh, harsh or not caring. I do care, but it's just, there's a, there's a element of self-care when you're dealing with this, because this is an extremely stressful situation to deal with as a, as a family member, as a pastor. You, you know what I mean? Did I sound pretty hardcore there? No, I, I think that was some good truth. And I, I appreciate your, your, your hardcoreness. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't mean to sound that way, but, but I think that sometimes, like you said, there's a, there's an element of shame and there's a, almost like a survivor's guilt. And could I have done more that, that crops up in a situation like this? And the answer is ultimately this was all in the Lord's hands. And from, you know, the day it started, you know, the Lord was not surprised by this. We're surprised, but God doesn't deal in plan B. And so don't let Satan take this suicide and just beat you up pastor or beat you up family member, because that would be a victory for the enemy and uh, use, use the brokenness in the situation to help bring healing to others. I think, right. I mean, maybe you're not there yet, but uh, that's, that's the thing. All right. We're, we're just about out of time before we land the plane. Any other closing thoughts or, or comments? No, I, I just, I've appreciated hearing your perspective and your pastoral wisdom. I, I think that, again, you've always been a great um, counselor and you've had a lot of wisdom for difficult situations. And again, you much more so than me in, in, in our, our friendship and in, in our, our ministry lives, you have faced some really hard situations throughout it. And, and so you have, you have great gifts in walking well, faithfully and solidly alongside people who are really struggling. So thanks for sharing with me today. Well, thanks for that. I'll slip you the 20 later, but uh, <laughs> I appreciate the compliment. Yeah, God's given me some unique situations to deal with. And, uh, but, you know, I, uh, I have to say, though, that suicide is, is one that breaks my heart. It really does. And walking through families with that, it is a, it is a gut-wrenching, heartbreaking ordeal. So, anyhow. Okay, well, brother, it's been great being with you and look forward to having you back here next time, okay? Thanks for having me, Travis. You have been listening to the Appalachian Baptist Network. Thanks for joining us. If you have a question or comment for our host, please send an email to Network at gmail.com or send us a voice message on our Anchor website page at anchor.fm slash Appalachian dash Baptist dash network. Join us again next Monday.